I can teach and from a prepared text, but I find sometimes that as I've prepared a message, then God, God says, no, that's not the message that I want to speak. Because here, here's the reality of what we are today is Jesus is intimate with you. And He knows more about you than you know about yourself. But that's not to cause fear, provoke any kind of fear, and cause us to shrink back. It's an invitation to come deeper into His love. Because let me say this, God can't love you anymore and He refuses to love you any less. This is a good day. Amen? Can I tell you that God is always in a good mood? Amen? He's always in a good mood. and In fact, for the believer... Now, if you're a believer, lift up your hand. Do you love Jesus Christ? Keep your hand and just wave it around. Come on. Amen? For the believer, every year is Jubilee. Every year is Jubilee. It's, it's the release of debt and, and bondage. It's the freedom that we live in in Jesus Christ. Every day is a day when we get up in the morning, we can put our feet on the floor as we roll out of bed and we can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice even right now and be glad in it. Amen? And we can worship. That's, that's really what it is. It's worship. Worship is, is not just praise. Worship is not just the position of our bodies. It does include that. But worship is a life lived. Can I get an amen? You'll, you'll help me out if you say amen. Or hallelujah. Or praise the Lord. Or look at your neighbor and go, oh, that was good. And every hour, listen to this, every hour is happy hour in Jesus. Amen? Amen? Not, not the worldly kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living in the liberty and the freedom of Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the Spirit. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. But the law of the Spirit is, come on, finish it for me. Amen. Exactly. Now see, you're preaching back to me. And that's, that's good. Because all of you in here are on assignment. Amen. Heaven is our home. How many of you know you're headed to heaven? How many of you know that's secure? You don't have to worry about that. Your sins have been washed away. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You don't have to beg and plead God hoping that you're going to sneak in somehow. You're in. Amen? But your assignment is right here. Your assignment is right here. So we want to, we want to go as deep as we can into the Word, as deep as we can, and, and it's wide open in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because listen, let me, let me say this, and you probably ought to write this down if you, if you take notes. And if you don't take notes, then begin today to take notes. Because God wants to speak to you. What you tolerate will soon dominate. Let me say this. Healing is for this side of heaven. Deliverance is for this side of heaven. Wholeness is for this side of heaven. Because when we get into heaven, we're not going to need that, right? So what we want to do is, is come into everything that God has promised in His Word, 
that God has declared in His Word because there is an invitation with every promise given for us to come fully into it and live it out. And not only live it out, but give it away as well. Everybody in here, no matter what your age is, no matter where you're at, you're called to this, what I'm about to share this morning. Amen? I said earlier that you are in a strategic place. And I want you to think about this. That before you got here this morning, the Lord had already stepped in to your future. He knew you were going to be here, right? He stepped into your future. And God has prepared promises with provision because God never gives a promise that doesn't have provision, right? God has prepared promises for you to receive with a provision to take you into your future where He's called you to be. Now that should give you some hope this morning. Amen? As it says in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, that God goes before you and prepares the way. Scripture says that God ordains the steps of His righteous ones. Amen? That He's given us His Word, that it could be a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. And even more so, that we could hide the Word in our heart that we would not sin against God. That we would not be tempted by the enemy to go astray of the path that God has has ordained for us. Amen? There's liberty and freedom in in this life that Jesus has called us to. We're going to talk about worship this morning. You're in a good place. You're in a strategic place. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be here. It is good to be here. Amen? Now I want you to look around and you do see some empty seats. God has ordained that these seats be occupied. Come on, lift up your hands if you believe that. Amen? And not just these seats, that there would be a line of people waiting to get in here Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. And I believe that there are people that are looking for the authentic Jesus Christ. Not religion, but the authentic presence of Jesus Christ that will set them free from the law of sin and death. Amen? And listen, you know, we we sing about Jesus, and let me share this with you, that you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have no right to believe otherwise. You don't have to ask God to come. He's here. You don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit is in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You are not your own. You've been bought with what? A price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Amen? Your body is not a dumpster for the devil's lies. Your body, your your life, this body, not just your spirit, not just your soul, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now let that soak in. And have you ever come to the reality of releasing your body to the truth that God has already declared over your life? If your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, then nothing of the enemy can remain. Come on. Right? And sometimes we need to declare that. We need to be people that make decrees. Not just about our community and about our church, but over our life. Because there's something that God wants us to do, and that is come into agreement with His assignment for our life. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 and following, it says, I is not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man what God has planned or purposed for those who love Him. It says that these things are known by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And if you go all the way through the rest of that chapter and you get to verse 16, it says that we have the mind of Christ. So listen to this. It's God's target. It's God's assignment for you every day, all day long, that you have the mind of Christ. Now there is an enemy. How many of you know there's an enemy? Jesus said in John 10.10, the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. That's not just life. That's life overflowing. Amen? Life overflowing with the goodness and the grace of God to get through every day. You may face difficulties, right? You remember what Paul said? He said, you know, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Anybody can relate to that? But you're not crushed. He said, I'm perplexed at times. Have you ever gotten to a place and you, I can't figure this out? But Paul said, I'm not in despair. Amen? He said, he said this, he said, I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down at times, but not destroyed. Amen? Because you're on assignment for God, and God is on your side. If God is for you, who could be against you? Romans 8.31. And it says this in verse 32, that if God who did not spare His only Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how much more through Him will He give us freely all things? Let me ask you something. According to that truth, then, are you making your life ready to receive the all things that God wants to put into your life? Have you opened your life up, your mind, your spirit, your soul, your body, your potential to what God wants to do in your life? Because I believe sometimes we live what I would call practical atheism. Not that I believe in it, not, not that I endorse it, but sometimes we get baited into this practical atheism where we understand what God says, but somehow we get drawn into these mindsets or these attitudes of life that are contrary to the Word of God. And they can develop strongholds in our mind that we can be living from that would pollute our life, if you will. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 10. He said, though we walk in the world, we do not war according to the world. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Those strongholds are imaginations, thoughts, ideas that are contrary to the mind of Christ. And sometimes, like a, like a castle wall, they have to be brought down stone by stone, brick by brick, until they're completely demolished. Can I get an amen? So that's why we're, we're taught the Word of God. We don't just preach from our experience, we preach from the Word of God. If all we did was limit our preaching to our experience, what if our experience didn't line up with the Word of God? So we preach from the full counsel of the Word of God. We're not just going to be a church that says, well, this is all we've experienced, therefore, that's all God is for us. No, we're, we're opening up the door and we're saying, Lord, this, this is Your church. Jesus said, I'll build My church and what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I remember years ago, I, I preached a, a message in a church we planted in New Mexico. 
and, and I labeled it, it was a three-part series, and it was labeled Radical Revolutionary Revival. And, yeah, amen. And, and I think people got excited just by the title. Radical Revolutionary Revival. I mean, th- those three words are, are, are good in and of themselves, but you connect them together. And, but I think at the end, they realized we were talking about Jesus. We were referencing people to Jesus. And let me ask you, is there anyone more radical than Jesus? No. I mean, when Je- in the Gospels, when Jesus walked, I mean, he, he disrupted funeral services. Right? Uh, professional mourners, he would run them out of the room and he'd, he'd say, rise up. Right? Give her some food. Amen? The tombs where the, the, the demoniac was, he, he stepped on the ground and he came and worshipped him. And he cast out a legion of demons. And the men begged Jesus, he said, let me go with you. And he said, no, I want you to go back to your hometown and tell them what's happened to you. And it says in Scripture that that man went back and turned ten cities, Decapolis it says in Scripture, upside down. Is anybody more radical than Jesus? And who do you have in you? Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Every day, every moment. When you get up in the morning, He's there. When you go through your day, He's there. When you go to bed at night, He's there. Amen? So we we read this word. I'm going to set this over here. We read this word that we wouldn't have an encounter with the word. Amen? We don't just read this to gather facts, information. In John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40, Jesus is having a, I'll say a dialogue with the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees knew the Old Testament. They had it memorized. In fact, they had developed other rules and regulations to help them from breaking what they considered the sacred law. And Jesus said this, He said, you study the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And He said, but these are the Scriptures that testify about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. Jesus is not saying, don't study the Word, right? But what is the intent or the purpose or the design behind studying the Word? Exactly. That you have an encounter with Jesus Christ. In fact, let me share this, and you can write this down. Jesus is perfect theology. If you know Jesus, you have something better than other people have, even if they have a title behind their name as a doctorate of theology. Because Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus said this, He said, said, I can only say what the Father says, I can only do what the Father says or does, And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is perfect theology. So here's the thing. If you study the Word and you arrive at any other conclusion or any other point other than Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, you've missed the mark. You, You may be getting facts that may prepare you to be persuasive in an argument, but a failure at life. Are you with me? How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Is this helping anybody? 
And there is a difference between facts and truth, right? The fact is, everybody here in Marana, not just us here, but everybody here, we can all say that we're all here in Marana or Marana. Some of you are waiting. Which is right. <laughs> okay. See? But we're all here in this city. But not all for the same purpose. Fact, truth. Here in this, this shopping arena, we're all here with everybody else. That's fact. The truth is not all for the same purpose. Are you with me? So we don't want to just study Scripture in order to get facts that might give us an edge in a debate or an argument. But we want to have an encounter with Jesus Christ through everything that we do. Because He wants to be with us. Anybody in here an engineer? Kind of. Okay. Well, you know Jesus is a better engineer. Yeah, amen. He knows more about what you're facing and doing every day than you realize. And sometimes we start out our day without asking Him, how do you want me to approach my day? And what I'm going to share with you this morning is is hosting His presence. I'm not just going to spit on the people on the front row, by the way. I, I, move, I move around, okay? Just like God is not a respecter of any person, okay, I'm not either. I'm just going to move around and probably hit some of you with this spit. But that's okay, amen? Hosting His presence. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And here's the challenge for us, church, is developing a consciousness of His presence. Day in, day out. Now if we had time, I would show you places in Scripture, if you will, how Jesus modeled it. That He was was always aware of the Holy Spirit in His life. Jesus never did anything except by the Spirit. Amen? He never did anything. Because listen, if He did, yes, He's fully God, amen? But He's fully man. And and taking on this, this mantle of flesh, he limited himself to doing everything that he was led by the Holy Spirit to do. He said, I cannot do anything unless the Father does it. I can't say anything unless the Father says it. And the Holy Spirit was moving continually in his life, and he was present constantly, and Jesus was aware of that. To the point so that in in one of the accounts, he's walking down the street and people are thronging him. And there's this woman that has an issue of blood. And it says in the account that she had had it for 12 years. And she had spent all her livelihood trying to have the condition fixed by doctors and it didn't do any good. In fact, it says it got worse. Do you know anybody that's maybe in a difficult position like that? And she realized, she said this, if I can just touch the hem of His robe, I will be healed. Now Jesus is walking along, He's thronged, it says, by people. The disciples are with Him. 
And all of a sudden, because his consciousness is so in tune with the Holy Spirit, he realizes power has gone out of me. And he stops and he turns around and he says, someone touched me. And the disciples are a little bit frustrated and they said, look, look, Master, how, how do you know? People are touching you all over. But he was aware of this encounter of faith where power was released through the Holy Spirit into the life of a woman who was looking for her healing. Now I say that and I I share that with you because that same level of communion that Jesus had with the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. But we have to practice that fellowship. Let me ask you this, and let me just let me just plant this seed in your mind, this, this thought. When you came in here this morning, and I don't want you to answer, I just want you to think about this and meditate on it, but when you came in here this morning, did you, did you step out of your house, did you get in your vehicle with the thought of you are in communion? Pure communion with the Holy Spirit. And that the presence of God knows everything. And there are things that God wants to steer your life into. That you could be a blessing to somebody. That you could be a source of healing to somebody. That your words could be a source of encouragement to somebody. Yeah, you may be going to the store to get eggs, but God also has you on assignment. Amen? It's not just for ministry. It is for ministry, but it's not just for ministry up here or, or playing an instrument or, or doing... It's, it's for everyday life. It's that same anointing. In Acts chapter 19, it, there's this incredible thing, and Luke was the author of Acts, right? And when you get into this, this chapter... Luke has to come up with another word for miracles. Now, miracles are great, amen? And, and we believe in miracles. But he had to come up with another word for miracles that God was doing through the life of Paul. And it says, unusual miracles. Now, I can't imagine what that would be, but there is an illustration given in Scripture there of what occurred in the life of Paul and the believers that were around him. How many of you are with me? And it says that Paul, in his tent-making ministry, while he's working and, and, and putting together tents and, and fabric and things like that, he's sweating, he's wiping his brow, he's wiping his hands on his apron, and it says that the believers came to him and they took these, these handkerchiefs and these aprons and these, these things that he's wiped sweat off, and they took them to those who were sick and demon-possessed and they were healed and delivered. Unusual miracles. And here's this, let me share this, getting back to what Jesus did. Jesus never taught seven steps of obtaining your miracle by sneaking through the crowd and touching the hem of His robe. Paul, we don't have any, any um, information in Scripture that he taught, well, this is the ten steps to getting your miracle. By taking these aprons and these cloths and, and these, these uh, pieces of fabric that I wipe my head with, and taking them to those who are sick and demon-possessed. And let me share this. Sometimes I think in the church, I'm not saying here, we are trying to instruct people into the ways of the Holy Spirit instead of model it. 
And there are things of the kingdom of God that are better caught than taught. In fact, I submit to you that Jesus, although He taught, He modeled the behavior. If you go to Acts chapter 4, where the the apostles are brought in before the Sanhedrin, the ruling religious council, and and they are confronted with this miracle that, that God worked through their life to raise a lame man up. Amen? And they're, they're debating about what to do with him, and they threaten them. And, and Peter says this, he says, you, you need to judge for yourselves what's right. But salvation is found in no one else. And they had already proclaimed the name of Jesus in the presence of the ruling council. And they said, there is no other name under heaven given unto men by which we must be saved. Are you with me? And if you go to verse 20 in that chapter, chapter 4 of Acts, it says that we cannot help but testify of the things we have seen and heard. The things that Jesus modeled for them, He didn't just throw up a bunch of slides and give them ten steps to, to helping people achieve their miracle. He modeled it They observed it. They walked with Him. And then it came upon them. That's why we're here. All of us together. That the Holy Spirit would bring something beyond ourselves. Something beyond the the mind of man. The consciousness of man. Eye is not seen. Ear is not heard. Nor is it entered into the heart of man. What God has planned and purposed for those who love Him. When I first became a believer, I struggled with prayer. Anybody? Anybody agree with that? But I got around people that prayed. They modeled it for me. And there was the invitation to come into that as well. Amen? You want to know how to praise the Lord like Pastor Wayne was saying? You get around people who worship the Lord with abandon. It's modeled for you. The Holy Spirit heals people. The Holy Spirit is in you. So if you'll just believe that the Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit wants to touch people's lives to bring healing and deliverance, guess what? You go speak that word to people. You're in agreement with God. Amen? His word will not return void but accomplish the purposes for which it is sent, right? Amen? And you will see healing. You will see deliverance. Just let that sink in for a moment. Because God is in love with you. Church, God has no other plan. You're it. We're it. We're on assignment. Amen? This is our destiny. This is our calling. We have no right to believe any other way other than what this Word says and the Holy Spirit testifies to. Amen? So the challenge is, are we going to come fully into this Word and fully into what the Holy Spirit desires to do in our life? You have the mind of Christ. Now right now, the devil could be debating with you. And and believe me, the devil could show up in a worship service. Interjecting thoughts. 
yeah, what about this in your life? And what about that? Well, what about this? And what about that? Jesus already paid for it. Amen? It's done. You're set free. Let me share something with you out of John chapter 7. We're almost done. I haven't even really started the message. See what God does? I I would encourage you to go back and read chapter 6. Because in chapter 6, there is a sermon that Jesus delivers. Which is probably, to me, the most powerful and, and controversial sermon that has ever been delivered. That's certainly recorded in the Bible. Because Jesus confronts potentially a group of 15,000 people that were following him after he had multiplied the fish and the loaves and they saw that, that miracle and also the miracle of healing and they said, you know what? Let's go and take him by force and make him king over Israel. That's what it says in Scripture. He discerned what they were about to do. And he steps out and, and you know, the disciples are over here going, this is good. We're, we're polling the crowd. His poll numbers are high. I mean, yeah, the, the, Jesus, can I sit on your right? And, and can I sit on your left? And don't worry about the rest of them. Just give us these positions of authority in your kingdom that we can see is about to come. You're going to kick the Romans out, and man, it's going to be great. And Jesus perceived what was going on, and He steps out, and He says, unless you drink My blood and eat My flesh, you have no life in you. And at that moment, poll numbers began to crumble. Right? How many of you are familiar with it? What a radical message. And I know some people in the church try to rationalize and say, well, he's talking about communion. Maybe in one sense. No. It is a radical message. It is not a religious message. It is a message that says, you will exchange your life for mine. And he says, I'll freely give this life for you. It's an exchange he's talking about. But he said that, and and people confronted him. And this is the thing, when you read the Scriptures, the Gospels, anytime there was murmuring or complaining or things got tense, Jesus ups the message. He never draws back, he ups the message. It becomes more focused, more intense. In fact, the closer he gets to the cross, the more clearer it becomes. In fact, to the point of where Peter took him aside one time when he revealed to them what he was going to do, what he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem, and, and Peter said, uh-uh, and he rebuked him, it says. And Jesus had to say, get behind me. He didn't say Peter. He said, get behind me who? Satan. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of who? Man. So here in this chapter 6 of of John, he ups the stakes. And then he goes, and and chapter 6 is just the lead into chapter 7. But we're going to close here and then we're going to pray for some people. Amen? And we're going to go out with joy. We're going to worship a little bit. Verse 37. Now this is for you. This is for everyone in here. Young, old, everybody in between. This is for this church right here, right now. Jesus says this, 
On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. Look at this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. There's the invitation. Are you drinking? Are you partaking of what He offers right now? He who believes in Me... Are you a believer? Come on, are you you a believer this morning? Lift lift your hand up. If you're a believer, then, then He's speaking to you right now. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture has said... He's saying truth. This is truth. This is not fact. This is truth. You can come into this truth. Amen? Out of His heart will flow... What? Rivers. Rivers. Plural. Rivers of living water. Out of your heart, out of the uh, King James says, out of your out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Whether you're conscious of it or not, right now rivers of living water are streaming out of your life. I mean, it'd be good if Jesus said a creek, right? I mean, how many of you'd probably settle for a creek, or or maybe a, a, a trickle? I mean, that would be good, right? Or, or just a tube, you know, you know, just shooting water out like a, like a water fountain or something like that. No, listen. God does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Church should never be lukewarm. Because right now you have rivers of living water streaming out of your life. Rivers of love, rivers of joy, rivers of peace, rivers of patience, rivers of healing, rivers of deliverance, rivers of encouragement for the masses, for the people right now, right now. Rivers. And look at this. By this he spoke concerning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 39. Whom those believing in Him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet what? Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Spirit had not yet been given. Jesus modeled that life for them. But He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power. And you will be my witnesses with rivers, if I could add, with rivers of living water coming out of your being, out of your heart, out of your life. You don't ever have to approach anything anymore with, what am I going to do? Because God already knows. And if you will just pause for a moment before you enter into any circumstance and say, Holy Spirit, take control. You are here. Take control. Bring me into what you want to do. The Holy Spirit reveals all these things. 1 Corinthians 2.10 And even searches the deep things of God. And you have the mind of Christ. Jesus didn't release the Holy Spirit until He was glorified. Not going to the cross. Not on the cross. Not just after the cross when He rose from the tomb but when He ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. 
This gospel, the gospel of John, was written by John, a disciple of Jesus, who was intimate with Jesus. And he leaned upon his chest, it says in Scripture. That's how close he was. He also wrote the book of Revelation. He also wrote epistles. And one of the epistles he wrote was 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, it's attached to this. And it says, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. You operate, you live, you move, you have your being from a glorified position in Christ Jesus. Paul said it in in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. He said, though you were dead in your trespasses, God who is rich in mercy because of the great love that He had for us, made us alive together with Christ. Amen? And raised us up with Christ and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Him. Where are you this morning? Because the Holy Spirit says, you are reigning with Him. You are reigning with Jesus Christ. If that doesn't change your life, nothing will. Because this is the most radical message there is. He is radical for you. He's desperately in love with you. All of heaven, listen, all of heaven leans in your direction every day. All of heaven. There's no hesitation or reservation in heaven. And listen to this. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, it says in Hebrews. Those that have gone before us. Therefore, we can cast off everything that weighs us down, that holds us back, and we can run this race with patience, with endurance, with long-suffering, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down where? At the right hand of the Father. We're out of time. I'd like to come back because there's much more I think that we can come into, but this is a good start, amen? You're in a good place. You're in a place to be equipped, to be prepared, to be effective ministers, and you're all ministers. Amen? You're all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have, as a believer, rivers of living water coming out of your life right now. I'm going to close with this. Can are we going to sing a song, or we can do it a cappella, I guess? But come on. I like that. I like that on the ukulele. How many of you appreciated that? That's that's that. Amen. That's the freedom that we need to have. Amen. That we can come in and show off Jesus Christ. That we can show off the gifts that He's given us. Amen. And through that, we'll encourage other people to step up as well. Amen. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10, verse 15. He said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you receive the kingdom of heaven as a little child, you shall by no means enter into it. Sometimes we get too sophisticated. 
we, we, we get so indoctrined, indoctrinated with ideas that are contrary to the purity and simplicity of Jesus Christ. Let, let, me, let me share it with you this way. Do you know every five-year-old is an artist? Now some of you are already getting it. Because if you put paper, blank pieces of paper on a table and crayons and colors and whatever else, and you thrust a bunch of five-year-olds at that table, you are going to see the most creative designs you've ever seen. Every five-year-old is an artist. And this is what Jesus is saying. There are things that you're going to have to come into with the mind of a child. The purity and the simplicity of, of the attitude of a child. Don't try to figure it out because sometimes God will bypass your mind and hit you right in your heart. I have been in worship services that if I sat back and tried to figure out what was going on, I would have never gotten into what was happening. It's only till people get 15 or 14 that you see the artist stepping away from the table. Why? Because someone judged them. Someone shamed them and said, oh, Johnny's picture is better than yours. You have streams, rivers of living water coming out of all of you. Let's purpose, church, the simplicity and purity of Jesus Christ in this place. If you do that, let me tell you, from my own experience, you will not be here long because this building cannot contain the people that will clamor to get in here. Standing room only. I have been there. People with all kinds of addictions coming in. And it doesn't matter. Because God doesn't judge them, we don't either. And we know that God has the answer and He's going to work the answer through our lives. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. You don't have to worry about somebody coming in because God already knows what their need is. And you're on assignment to meet their need. Every five-year-old is an artist. Let's not teach that out of people. God is a creative God. The devil's been defeated. He's already been defeated. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority, say all authority, in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Does all authority include all authority? Is there any authority that's not included in that? Jesus conquered the devil by the cross. And the authority that the first Adam relinquished was taken back by the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And now He delegates that authority to you. Your authority to be the person that God has called you to be comes through the commission. He said, go and make disciples. The power of that authority is in our going. My wife and I got on the interstate. There was authority in us coming down here. You got up, you got out of bed, and you came to church. Amen. You came to be the church. There is authority in that. When you walk out of here, you'll go out with joy and be led forth in peace. There's authority in that. And your power comes through the encounter.
A seamless, divine connection. That as He is, so are we in this world. Is that not powerful? Let's worship. You can stand. You can kneel. Whatever position. The Spirit of God calls you to. We have a little time, right? Jesus, hold. You are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long. Be overcome by your presence, Lord. Now let's up the volume a little bit this morning. Your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are Flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your Let us become more aware of your presence, your goodness. Let us become more aware. Of your presence, let us experience the glory of your goodness. Yes, Lord, more aware of your... Let's shout it out this morning. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Hallelujah. Of your presence, let us experience the glory of your goodness. Oh, you're worthy, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. We give you glory, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah.
by your presence, Lord. The truth is that God will always meet us where we're at. But He'll never leave you where you are. He's right there with you right now. But His word to you this morning is He's not going to leave you where you are. He's not going to check out on you in your 11th hour. When the last paycheck comes in, He's not going to walk out the door. Not like others who can't understand what you might be going through. God's never going to forsake you or leave you or abandon you. There is abundant healing and provision right here, right now. Right here, right now. So we want to offer this opportunity right now. If you're struggling with a sickness, a disease, or an illness, listen, there's no shame in saying that you're in a battle. But it's, it's, it's going to require a correction of a mindset. That you're not a sick person trying to get well, you're a whole person fighting off sickness. And there's provision. There is provision by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring complete healing right now. There's provision to bring a miracle right now in the name of Jesus. So if you have a need right now in your life, doesn't matter what it is, I just want you to lift your hand right now. God is for you right now. Now church, this is what I believe in. My wife and I have discipled a lot of people. We just modeled it for them and turned them loose. We've seen, we've seen places turned upside down. So I want those of you that didn't raise your hands, I want you to turn and look at those people that have their hands raised right now. Just, just turn and look at those people that have their hands raised right now. And I want you to make a point of contact with them right now. Just make a point of contact in the name of Jesus. Just put a hand on them or, or just make some point of contact. Extend a hand to them. This is a church, listen, this is a church that is going to do authentic ministry in this community. I, I believe right now there's, there's, the Spirit of God is testifying and telling me that there's somebody in here that's facing a financial hardship right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to declare this over your life, that my God shall supply all of your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all of your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You don't have to figure out where it's going to come from. God will bring it to you. Like a little child, God will bring it to you. So you can celebrate now. You can rejoice now. Because listen, it's on the way. And if there seems to be a delay... And the answer coming to your life, it's because God is adding interest to the answer. He's adding interest to the answer. And let me share this, if God ever says no, it's because He has a better yes for your life. But I believe right now that God is ministering to you right now in the name of Jesus. We put cancer under our feet right now in the name of Jesus. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. We put diabetes under our feet right now and we take authority over it in the name of Jesus. 
pain and that, that demonic that demonic phantom of, of pain that is trying to impart and cripple your life, we rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. We call forth healing and wholeness right now in the name of Jesus. Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary and walk and not faint. That is God's promise and there is provision in it for you this morning. There's provision. Heart ailment right now in the name of Jesus. You have to go. In the name of Jesus. Blood vessels are being restored right now in the name of Jesus. Your lungs are being strengthened right now in the name of Jesus. God has given you breath to breathe in. Breathe it in. And you are going to exhale praise. And you are going to see signs and miracles and wonders. Because that's your destiny. That's your assignment. That's your calling. In Christ Jesus. Jesus said this in John 15. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. You're a chosen generation. And I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. And here's the promise that as you bear fruit, God says, your fruit will remain. Your fruit will remain. If you have a child that's wayward right now, if you have a family member that's, that's walked away from the Lord, that's your fruit. God says your fruit will remain. Can you believe with God that they're going to come back? But they're not going to come back the way they went out. They're going to come back healed and delivered and excited about Jesus Christ. Every addiction right now is broken. Is broken off of your life right now. Your passion for Jesus Christ surpasses any addiction. You are freed from it right now in the name of Jesus. The chains are broken off right now in the name of Jesus. There is nothing that will hold you or bind you to that addiction any longer. Peter said we have these exceedingly great promises that through them we become partakers of the divine nature. And through that, escape the corruption and lust of the world. It is in and over your life right now. And I speak the fire of the Holy Spirit upon your life right now in the name of Jesus. The fire of the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus upon your life. The fire of the Holy Spirit upon your life right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're done, church. We're done. I'm just going to lay my hands on a few people. Amen. As I lay my hands on you, you lay hands on other people. Amen. You're blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. It has been good to be here with you. We love you. We hope to come back again. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We love you.